It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back to Money for Lunch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's always a pleasure to have you here. I'm excited uh, that you're sharing this time with us. This year, I am focusing on mental toughness. Uh, Over the years of interviewing literally thousands of leaders throughout the world, uh, the number one thing that seems to separate the achievers from the non-achievers and even the uh, high achievers from just the regular achievers uh, and so on is mental toughness. So this year we're going to focus on mental toughness. Uh, Mental toughness is Spartism with qualities of sacrifice, self-denial, dedication. It's fearlessness, and it is love. That is by Vince Lombardi. All righty. We're going to get the party started. Today I'm being joined by Francis Jackson. Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans' disability benefits as well as Social Security disability benefits. A founding partner of Jackson McNichol, he has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox network affiliates around the country. He most recently appeared as a guest of Ben Glass on the Consumer Advocate show discussing benefits for veterans and Social Security disability benefits and how his practice allows him to make a difference in the lives of people facing disability. He has been quoted in USA Today and is listed in Cambridge Who's Who's. Mr. Jackson was honored by the National Academy of Bestselling Authors with a Quilly Award for his contribution as a joint author to the Amazon bestselling book, Protect and Defend, where he wrote about protecting one's rights to veterans' disability compensation. In 2017, Mr. Jackson was inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability law. Francis Jackson, welcome back. Bert, always a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me back. You bet, you bet. Always good to have you here. Uh, I've said this multiple times, the work that you guys do there uh, at uh, veteransbenefits.com and Jackson McNichol um, is uh, so important. And, you know, you and I have talked about, uh, in the past, you and I have talked about some of the laws that Congress are considering to help veterans. Um, Has there been any further activity, any updates? Yeah, one uh, one really important one, Bert. Um, you remember we talked at some length uh, a few months ago about the fact that if you're in the military on active duty and you're the subject of medical malpractice, you couldn't sue the government for the damages that uh, that were done to you. Well, Correct. Congress, I'm to say, in the new Defense Authorization Act has included in that act, a, uh, a bill that was originally separately introduced as the uh, Sergeant First Class Richard Stayskull Medical Accountability Act. And what what that uh, long name uh, is all about is Stayskull is a guy who was in the military, and while on active duty, he went to the hospital and said, you know, I'm not breathing so good, got a problem. They looked at him and said, oh, you got pneumonia. Well, turns out he didn't have pneumonia. He had a mass, which 
continued to grow and turned out to be cancer, and he was dying uh, because the VA, sorry, the, uh, the uh, military doctor that saw him misdiagnosed him. And so the, the uh, Congress has decided that even though back in the 50s the uh, military convinced the Supreme Court that there should be no opportunity for a person on active duty to sue for medical malpractice, Congress has decided that that's, that's not right, and they have uh, passed a law allowing people who are either currently in the military or have left the military now but were misdiagnosed or mistreated while in the military to file a claim. They've set aside uh, $400 million for uh, the first year to cover potential claims, and they have uh, just started that process, and not surprisingly, Mr. Statesco uh, was allowed to file the first claim, and it uh, is off and running. It's hard to know what kind of overall scope this is going to have, but he's filed a claim asking for $5 million for misdiagnosing his cancer and basically sentencing him to death. And we'll see where that goes. There have been a few other claims already filed, but the important thing for your listeners, if you are <coughs> excuse me. Excuse me. If you are in the active military or have been in the active military and were misdiagnosed or otherwise treated badly in a medical uh, facility you have um, an opportunity now to file a claim. There is a special period right now. You can file a claim going back to 2017. <coughs> um, after this year, there will only be a two-year window. But if you if you file during 2020, you have the opportunity to uh, to go back as far as 2017. So. If anyone in your listening audience is in that box, medical malpractice within the last three years, they should rush out and file a claim because uh, up until now, they were barred from doing that. And I think a lot of people who might have filed claims obviously didn't because they were told that they couldn't. But that has now changed, and hopefully uh, anyone who has a pending claim or has has the events that would lead to a claim will promptly file. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I know that you that your team specifically handles disability benefits. Is is this something that would fall under that scope, or would that be something completely different since it's a medical malpractice? Well, technically, it's something different, Bert. But if if anyone uh, needs help with it, certainly we'd be happy to help them get their claim filed. Okay, great, great. Uh, other than that, are there any other legislative developments? Uh, there are. There actually uh, um, is uh, another one that we had talked some about. Um, you remember we talked about burn pits in the service in Desert Storm and Desert Shield and so on. Um, yes. And those were the, the uh, big literal pits where the services burned uh, everything from human waste and uh, medical refuse to uh, 
scrapped vehicles. Uh, and there's been a lot of concern that troops that were exposed to the smoke from that, like uh, firefighters who get exposed to, uh, to smoke, um, develop various conditions, lung problems, cancer, and so on. So the, uh, the Congress has gotten interested in the issue, and they passed this legislation that says that the Department of Defense has to map where these burn pits were and provide that information to the VA so that the VA, in turn, can look at what veterans who were stationed near those various locations um, are experiencing for conditions. And the, the hope here is, um, by veterans at least, that this is going to lead ultimately to a congressional uh, law that will allow veterans who were stationed near these burn pits to make a claim for respiratory diseases, cancers, and so on caused by the burn pits without having to go through and prove the science themselves. Um, nice. As you know, yeah, that's that's the goal. As you know, with, uh, with Agent Orange that a lot of folks were exposed to in Vietnam, that's what's been done. There's been a presumption created that if you were exposed to Vietnam, exposed in Vietnam to Agent Orange, then certain claims can be can be automatically accepted, um, diabetes, lung cancer, and so on, without the need for the veteran to go through and prove the science linking the exposure to the current condition. And so the, the goal here long term is to establish a similar presumption for the burn pits. But this is this is just kind of the preliminary step, if you will, to see if, if the if the science um, moves out. So that's kind of uh, where that's going. Well, at least it's still going. That's right, and it's and it's it's important. These are important steps. So um, hopefully it'll it'll continue on the on the right track. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, any other important legislation? Yeah, there's there's one other kind of an odd piece, but it's it's going to be very important to uh, a lot of people. Um, several years ago, the military introduced a policy where long-term veterans could um, transfer their GI Bill educational benefits to their dependents, spouse, children, and so on. Um, and it's a, it's a limited group. You have to have been uh, more than 16 years in the military. And what the Pentagon had proposed, this, this was all done not by legislation but by regulation, and the Pentagon had proposed that um, there, was a, there was a limit or a cap on this opportunity to do that. And Congress went through and said, no, no, we're not going to put up with that. Uh, we are going to uh, keep this benefit and allow those long-term serving veterans or long-term serving service members to transfer those benefits to their children or their spouse. And 
you know, it's it's not a it's not a freebie. These folks have to continue on in the military, um, you know, for for a period of time after the transfer and so on. It's it's uh, it was originally intended to encourage people to reenlist, and Congress is just saying, yeah, you held out this carrot. We're not going to now let you take it away. But it's a it's a very important benefit for service members' children in particular. Um, you know, the uh, the opportunity to get a, a substantial part of your education paid for is no small thing in this day and age when student loans are just rampant throughout the country. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, God bless Congress for holding uh, the military accountable, uh, which sometimes doesn't always get done, uh, as as you know better than, than, than just about anybody out there. So... Uh, grateful for Congress doing that. Yeah, I think this is a, a particularly uh, a particularly good benefit. Uh, I, I think this will really help a lot of military families. As, as you know, service folks don't get paid particularly well, so uh, it's benefits like this that are really, really important, and this is a, a, a great benefit to military kids. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, uh, you know, the 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 military sacrificed so very much, including, but not limited to, a very small compensation, uh, and uh, it's just the way it's set up. Uh, the military does, you know, for the most part, feed and house people, but you know, housing is not always a guarantee anymore because uh, of all the different changes that have happened over the decades. Uh, so uh, some of these benefits uh, are, as you said, they're, they're super important, especially to somebody who wants to uh, go to school and not walk out with a bunch of debt. This is, you know, this is extremely important. And, and I know there's a lot of people who join the military for those benefits specifically. And so uh, I'm, I'm grateful that that, uh, like I said, that Congress took care of that. Uh, any other important changes for uh, for educational benefits? Yeah, Bert. Um, interesting. You should ask what uh, what has happened. And, and you were you were talking about this very situation, really. People who join the military to uh, to get benefits. Um, there are, there are a couple of different versions of the so-called GI Bill that gives people access to education in exchange for their service, and from 9-11 forward, there's kind of the post-9-11 GI Bill, which basically gives people about three years of, of, uh, of educational benefits. But before that, we had uh, the, the Montgomery GI Bill and still have. For that, you had to pay money in toward uh, educational benefits out of your uh, your allotment. And in turn, you, you got benefits. Well. What's been happening is the uh, the VA has been saying, if you were eligible for benefits under the Montgomery GI Bill and then became eligible for benefits under the post-9-11 bill, you got the benefits under the post-9-11 bill, but not under the Montgomery. And that's, I mean, that seemed very inappropriate to me since for the Montgomery bill, you had to actually pay money in. You know, out of your minimal, minimalist pay, but 
what uh, what has happened is that that issue has been taken up to the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims, and the court has held that, in fact, you're entitled to both. So that uh, the effect is essentially to give people a a fourth year of benefits, uh, and you know, given that a lot of folks use ben GI benefits to go to college, that's a big deal because typically it's hard to finish college in less than four years, and so this um, allows a a significant number of veterans an additional year of benefits, and that's for the very reasons we were talking about earlier, is uh, I think a very important thing, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we will get out and lots of folks will take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah, no, that's a massive deal. Uh, that's, that's, that is crazy. And, and you know what, just, just for everybody listening, you can tell that dealing with the layers of all these different rules and different programs can be overwhelming, and that's why uh, it's important to know what uh, your rights are. Uh, you might be eligible for claims on this side, but maybe not on this side, and, and, and uh, so if you have questions, you can go to VeteransBenefits.com, VeteransBenefits.com, uh, and uh, Francis and his team will take care of you. Um, it's just, uh, like I said, it, it can be overwhelming, especially you know, Francis, somebody who is uh, maybe uh, not feeling 100%, their, their, their benefits have been denied, it can definitely make somebody want to just shut down. It can be, like I said, it can be so overwhelming. Unfortunately, that's true, Bert. And, and you know, one of the sad things that's happening now with um, on, the, on the VA compensation side is that the... Uh, uh, the Congress, as you know, passed a new law intended to kind of streamline or at least shorten the uh, the application process and the appeals process for veterans' benefits. Well, the, the VA is now trying to get rid of all the old appeals because those are much more time-consuming for them to process. And so what they're doing, apparently they're going through people's entire appeal all the way back to you know the, the year zero, and looking for procedural issues that they can use to dismiss the appeal. I was shocked. Um, a couple weeks ago, we got a letter from the VA to one of our clients saying that they have now decided in 2000. Like we, we got this just before the end of the year, so 2019. They decided that the form that he filed in 1999 was 60 days late, and they are therefore dismissing the claim that they've been processing for the last 20 years for his back. Wow. I kid you not. That That is exactly what they've done, and obviously we're going to appeal that, but it's just it's just crazy what they're trying to do. They're, they're looking for any possible excuse. And, you know, it, it's obvious, I think, to anyone who thinks about it, that the fact that they processed it for 20 years means that they definitely waived any inconsistency back then. But it's just what the, the links they're going to to get rid of these old appeals are just, I, I find it just beyond belief. Sure, sure. And, and to me, there, there's a great example that could you imagine if you're a veteran 
and you're trying to do this by yourself, and all of a sudden you get this letter saying, hey, sorry, you filed this 20 years ago, 60 days too late, so we're no, we're no longer going to process it, uh, it would make a lot of people upset. Uh, you know, uh, it's going to, uh, you know, it, it would drive some people, uh, you know, to violence. It's going to drive some people to depression. It, it's, it, it would cause some people just to give up and despair. And, and if your client didn't have you to say, hey, you know what, don't worry about it. We're going to do the appeals because this is, this is uh, lame and uh, they've been processing it, as you said, for 20 years, so they can't back out of it now. You know, he would he would be in all sorts of hurt. Yeah, I, I just I, I I was really just uh, that's an old fashioned word flabbergasted, I guess. But, yeah. uh, uh, you and, know, and I, is, I just couldn't believe it, it went and, back and 20 this, years. Right, right, and this is you being flabbergasted, which I think is a great word. Word, uh, you're you're sitting there in shock and awe, and you've been doing this for a long time. And you think you've seen just about everything, and all of a sudden, this comes up. Yeah, this 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 is my my number one. <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen one quite quite this old. Uh, all right, so back on track. What about uh, compensation benefits? What's going on there? Well, that's really what we were just talking about, Bert. The uh, the the VA is on this uh, this campaign to try to eliminate. Uh, all these old appeals, and they're they're just looking for anything and everything. Um, one of the, in addition to the one I was just telling you about, um, we uh, we just got a notice uh, on one of our cases saying, oh, you withdrew as counsel uh, for this veteran um, two and a half years ago. Now we didn't withdraw, um, and in fact uh, we just sent an updated notice of representation. On this particular client, but you know the, the VA is just trying all these uh, procedural devices to to let them get rid of these old appeals because they don't want to take the time and make the effort to process them. They just want to to push everybody out of the old appeals and force them to uh, give up on any any time they've spent on the appeal and start over with a new claim under the new system. And you know, obviously, we're going to appeal that as well. But it's just—it's very frustrating that they're really trying to do this to people. I mean, you know, as as we talked about a minute ago, we have clients who have literally been pursuing claims for a decade or more, even two decades in rare cases. And right. we have them just now reach out and try to find some procedural device to get rid of the claim instead of deciding it on the merits. It's really very frustrating and. I, I, I have to say, it doesn't seem fair to me, but that's that's what the courts are for, and we will eventually get it all sorted out. Sure, sure. Shame on uh, on the VA for doing that. Uh, Francis Jackson, always good to have you on the show, my friend. If you guys have questions uh, regarding uh, anything that uh, Mr. Jackson spoke about, or maybe your case, maybe uh, you want to get a second opinion, maybe you've uh, got denied, maybe you got a partial denial, Check out VeteransBenefits.com, VeteransBenefits.com. Francis Jackson, thank you so much for stopping by today. Bert, thank you for the opportunity. I, I always enjoy these chats with you. You bet. Good stuff there from Francis Jackson, lawyer, America's most trusted lawyers for his outstanding work in disability law. 
And again, you can reach out to him at veteransbenefits.com, veteransbenefits.com, uh, and he'll walk you through it. And uh, as you heard, some of these cases can be very long and drawn out, and uh, they do all sorts of crazy stuff. And uh, I can tell you uh, from uh, knowing Francis Jackson and, and spending time with him, he, he is dedicated to fighting for our veterans. And it's a shame that, that uh, lawyers have to fight for our veterans. Uh, but uh, it's the way it is. And uh, if you have questions, check out veteransbenefits.com. As always, my friends, let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help as many people uh, to stop suffering in silence, uh, to get the help they need, to get the benefits that they deserve. Remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.